going to be bringing the word to us this morning, and uh, I love to uh, invite as many others as possible to come and teach and preach, and Gary volunteered, so I'm looking forward to hear what the Lord has to say through Thank you, Father, for my friend, Gary. I thank you for his heart, for his desire to be used to be a servant and to preach your word. And I just pray you pour out your spirit upon us today that we may hear what the spirit is saying to the church. May we leave here changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I love about a liturgical church is believing statements of faith. And when I Every time I get a chance to read the Bible or hear the Bible being preached, I think of a statement of faith about the Bible that was presented to me when I was about 25 years old by a preacher that every time he opened up the scriptures, he would say, I hold the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to do battle with the enemy and expose his lie. God's Word is true. And he would say John 17 17 and I looked it up and it says God's word is true he says I cannot be deceived and I will not be deceived as long as I stand upon the word of God and that made me really hold up God's word it's very precious to me that it will not fail it will always prevail well in the New Testament the gospel and the epistle I found that there are three words or three themes that come to mind. Number one is commitment. Number two is persistence. And number three is God's grace. In the gospel we hear about this woman that keeps on coming to see this judge who does not fear God nor does he fear man nor does he have any regard for the Jewish tradition or the Jewish faith. And I think he just feels like he's just all that in a bowl of cornflakes. He doesn't see anything but himself. But this woman, who we don't know who her name is or what the case is about, but we do know that she kept on coming day after day or week after week, wanting to, this judge to avenge her of her adversary. And we don't even know what the adversary was. But she keeps on coming. She's being persistent. Well, this judge says, well, I know I've disregarded her pleas over and over again, but just so she won't bother me anymore, I'll just give her what she wants. Well, when I think about coming to the Lord, asking for his forgiveness, sometimes I wonder if he gets tired of forgiving me. He gets tired of hearing my pleas over and over again. But in reality, he wants that relationship. He wants that communion between me and the Lord. He, he, he wants that, that keeping on and being persistent in, in you know, seeking after God. One thing that I've always thought was really interesting is not only was she persistent, she was faithful. And doing anything for the Lord or trying to live out our faith, you have to be faithful. You have to be persistent in your pursuing. 
for the justice that you're wanting so badly. And the justice I think that the church wants is to be redeemed, to be lifted up, and most of all, to be forgiven. What I love also about God is that His grace is just boundless. Uh, whatever the need that we're having to deal with, uh, it, He always supplies the need, He always provides the way. And I find that serving the Lord uh, at times can be hard. You know, it can be frustrating because a lot of times we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to kind of uh, believe that God will, will lead us in the directions that he wants us to go. And I remember years ago somebody asked me, well, what do you think the will of God is? And I was assuming that they were wanting me to give this big, long theological answer. And I said, just follow him. Because if you're following him, where you go, he's leading you. Uh, who you come into contact with, he's bringing your way. And whatever words he you know, enables you to express and proclaim, he's providing, he's providing that as well. So his will is being lived out in your life. So I think that's what the will of God's all about, following after him. But I also believe that serving the Lord and giving all you have, you have to give the most important part of your life to Him, and that is your heart. And years ago, I was flipping through the TV and I came across the Discovery Channel, and they were doing open heart surgery. They had this man laying on this table, and they put a blanket over his face, like in case if you knew him, you wouldn't get sick. And they ripped his chest cavity apart, and there it was. It looked like lasagna that was alive. And I thought to myself, a human being would tell another one, I love you with all my heart. And it just didn't do nothing for me. It just, it just gave me a different taste in my mouth. But what God is wanting is he wants the heart, the essence of who you and I are. And if once he gets the heart, and he can help you be persistent. He can help you be faithful to walk by faith. He can help you to uh, live out the Christian life that is set before us. But he has to have the heart. And I think throughout the years, Satan has damaged our heart because he tries to remind us of the times when we were not faithful, when we did not serve the Lord as we should, when we did not walk by faith. And he will try to stop us from being persistent after God and persistent after walking for his glory, for his honor, uh, living out his will. So Satan, if he can get us to stop, then he's won the victory. But I believe that priests, preachers, gospel singers, anybody that works in evangelism in any kind of way, they're like cheerleaders. So... Father Ronnie and Brian, they're like the cheerleaders. They're on the sidelines just, just cheering us on. Well, the church is the football team. Our job is to get there on the field and put some points up on the board. Well, the good news of the gospel is that Christ, over 2,000 years ago, scored that winning touchdown. 
but he still wants us to get out there and play. Don't sit on the bench because we can't do nothing for the Lord sitting on the bench. We've got to get out there and produce a walk with God. Uh, once Satan wants us to stop, and he has that victory. But we have to remind ourselves that God is the total opposite. Where Satan reminds us of our failures, God always reminds us of our future. Because failure should not be our future. Yes, we've done wrong. Yes, we've fallen short of the glory of God. Because the Bible says that our you know, righteousness is but filthy rags. And when I think of the word filthy rags, the idea of a bandage being wrapped over a leper's body is what I consider being unclean filthy and but the joy is that I'm not relying on my righteousness because I, I don't have none I'm relying on the Lord's I'm I'm asking him to live his will in through my life that when people see me they can see Jesus through me uh, I think our jobs as Christians is to be mirrors so when they see us they see Jesus in us and through us. We can be his hands and we can be his feet. When I was about eight years old, there was a lady in my church where I grew up, Hargrove Methodist, and her name was Anita Adams. Uh, she's since gone to be with the Lord, but she was known in the whole church as being the best baker that there was. I mean, Betty Crocker, Duncan Hines, <laughs> couldn't touch this woman's food and uh, if we were having a fellowship dinner or a fall festival everybody was wanting her to make her homemade chocolate double fudge brownies and they were the best in the world I would always say to myself once we get to heaven and have the marriage supper of the lamb I will see a platter of her homemade brownies on that table <laughs> because it was just of God well, we had vacation Bible school, and the whole week we talked about how we serve God. And she would bring out different examples in the Bible of how the, uh, like Abraham followed after God, uh, was willing to sacrifice his only son. Uh, how uh, Noah uh, parted the Red Sea. The only way he was able to do that was that he, I mean, Moses, part of the rest of the only way he was able to do that was he had faith in God. And she was naming all these different examples. Well, the last day of our vacation from Bible school, she came into the class with that platter of her homemade chocolate double fudge brownies. And she even made the icing on it. And it was beyond good. <laughs> well, she came into the class and she laid the brownies on the table. And she said, well, because this is our last day of our vacation Bible school, I thought it'd be fun if we would have a big celebration and a party. And I made my brownies. Well, the kids went crazy. She said, but before we're going to eat the brownies, I got two questions I want to ask you. She said, number one, how many this week have found out that God loves you and that you love God? Raise your hand. We all raised our hands. Oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. But really we were saying, oh, I love them brownies. <laughs> she said, okay, everybody put your hands down. She said, all right. Since everybody that raised their hands saying that they love the Lord, how many this week, every day, has read the Bible? 
there might have been 20 people in the class and about four of us raised our hands. Everybody else didn't. She said, well, I was hoping that we could celebrate that everybody read the Bible. But it wouldn't be fair if I gave a brownie to those who read the Bible but didn't give a brownie to those who didn't. So I guess we're just not going to have brownies today. You could have heard a pin drop in that room. If, if it would have landed on the floor, it would have sounded like thunder. <laughs> we just stood there. She said, and she talked and talked and talked, but all I could think of was, I lost my brownie. <laughs> I'm not going to get no brownie. Well, she walked up to the table and she said, well, it was a great, wonderful vacation Bible school week, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to celebrate it with the brownies. And she picked up the platter and she walked to the door and she got right to the door and she went, you know what? God's grace says you can have one anyway. <laughs> and she walked back and she laid that platter of brownies on the table while all the kids went, <laughs> and went after the brownies. I mean, like, Dah. well, when I got mine, I took a little bite one at a time. And I must ate that brownie for about 30 minutes because I knew what that brownie meant to me. I knew I didn't earn it. I knew I didn't deserve it. But it was God's grace that said you are going to get a brownie anyway. And I believe, even though it's hard to serve God lots of times, because Satan is always just finding any kind of way to put us down and, you know, he'll send trials our way and valleys and mountains that we've got to climb. And his objective is to get us to just say, you know what, I quit. It's just not worth it. But in reality, serving God is worth it. Because you're not having to serve Him by yourself. He's always making a way. He's always providing. And just like this woman in the Gospel, she got the justice that she deserved, the justice that she was seeking after. And Jacob, when he was wrestling with that angel or the mysterious man he got the blessing of being called Israel which is like another name for a prince and and really he wanted to be forgiven by his brother Esau and in fact I believe they're twins because when they were born Jacob had his hand on Esau's ankle and it was said throughout the, his life that Jacob would would be a stumbling block towards Esau. But even though that might have been the case, Jacob still wanted to be reinstated. He still wanted to be forgiven by his brother and then got blessed by the angel and, and given a wonderful name. And I think that's the same thing that, that I want from the Lord. I want the blessings of, of God. I want His touch upon my life. And yes, it's been hard. When I was uh, 18 years old, I just got out of high school, and I started my musical evangelism. Now, I've been singing all my life, but traveling from different churches, my grandmother would carry me, and I'd carry my little karaoke machine and set it there on the altar because I got tired of the little old man who run the sound that was like 10 years older than God and I got tired of him not knowing what buttons to push and saying this way, this way 
And so I'll just bring my own sound system. Well, I'll never forget it. It was a small little country church. And the preacher said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to sing for about 30 minutes. And then I'm going to preach for 30 minutes. And then after the service is over, I want you to go and stand at the door. And as everybody starts filing out, you can hand them your cassettes. And if you say cassettes today, people don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but you can hand out your music. And I said, okay. So I, I sang my bit. And I thought I did a, you know, an okay job. Uh, and then I sat down and the preacher preached this little rip fire and brimstone kind of sermon. They closed the service with prayer and the preacher said, alright, you go up there and sit at the door. So I made my little way up there and they said amen and everybody was getting up and they're walking. Well, everybody was walking by, oh, we just enjoyed it, blessed our hearts, it just touched the depths of my soul. Well, this little old lady walked up, and she, I'll never forget her. She had a black dress on, big old white polka dots, big old pearl necklace. And it took about, about five minutes to, with her walker to get to where I was standing. And once she got there, she went, honey. I said, yes, ma'am. I was expecting to be receiving some more accolades. She said, honey. And I said, yes, ma'am. She took my hand, and she patted it, and said, I've heard better, but thank you for coming. <laughs> Now, that might have been the way she felt, but I would have just kept that to myself. Because I have gone to all kinds of churches, and I've heard people sing that couldn't carry a bucket, much less carry a tune. But they were singing for the Lord, and God said that He wants you to make a joyful noise, not a perfect pitch. God wasn't specific. He was broad. And I think that's the same way with God's grace. It's not specific. It's broad. It reaches out to the un unlovable, uh, the undesirable. Once we look at it as an outcast, God brings them in. And I think at that moment, standing there when she was saying, I've heard better, but thank you for coming, I wanted to quit. Because I felt like, well, I didn't evidently make a mark. Uh, God can't evidently bless the service because this woman seemed to not get nothing out of it. And if I'd have said, I, I quit, I stopped, this is it, I don't want to say I wouldn't be where I'm at now because there's still, there's still areas in my life that I want God to move. Yes, I want to stand on the Grand Ole Opry and sing one day. Yes, I, I'd love to travel full time and, and, and go all across the country. But if God just has me where he has me right now, I couldn't ask for any more because God's been so faithful. Even when I haven't been faithful to God, God has always provided a way. And that's the kind of ideas that I got out of the Old Testament, the, the, uh, the Gospel, and the Epistle of being persistent, being committed to serving out God, being committed to walking by faith, seeking after Him, and receiving God's grace. When we least deserve it, His grace is so, so precious and, and so wonderful. And that's what I received from these scriptures today. And I'd like to close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your love and Your mercy. Most of all, I thank you for sending us your blessed Son that we could have life everlasting in his name.
I thank you for your touch on our lives. The grace when we didn't deserve it. We want to thank you for helping us to be persistent in our faith. Being committed to serving you and walking after you. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we ask that as we go our separate ways today, let your love be so infectious that when people see us, they'll see you in us and through us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.